0: Well, G'day, I'm Scott Sanders and welcome to the Reach Australia podcast. Uh, We want to see thousands of healthy evangelistic multiplying churches across the country. And that's why in this uh, short season of the Reach Australia podcast, we're focusing on church apprenticeships. Uh, I'm going to have a number of the guys from the ministry training scheme uh, joining us to share their insights into how to encourage church apprenticeships across Australia. Uh, today I'm here with Ben Fowler, who's the National Director of MTS. Scott.
1: Ben, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: Great. Now, we're going to be focusing on church apprenticeships. I'd love to hear your experience of uh, a church apprenticeship.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, I did an unusual apprenticeship, one I don't encourage others to do. That is, um, I was leading a uni group on campus, which had folded and got restarted by a lady called Fiona Cheng and I. And I stayed around after uni to do an apprenticeship straight afterwards, I ordinarily encourage people to go into the workforce, but I I stayed because we didn't have a staff worker. We'd raised the funds after the two year apprenticeship and then I went off to work and then theological college. But my apprenticeship was under Gordon Cheng. Uh, I was a satellite apprentice 800 metres down the road from Melbourne Uni where he trained other apprentices. So I was sort of down running, I was like the campus director of a university group and coming up and training with Gordon.
0: Okay, so a few things. You yep. did. You finished your university degree, stuck on, did your apprenticeship straight after, so there was no yep. gap between That's correct. Uh, your apprenticeship yep. and, and the in-between. Yeah. And also you actually weren't sitting on an existing sort of training centre. You actually were part of a, a, a new satellite yeah. campus as well. I so think they called us a parasite, but I
1: called it a satellite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. And I'd go and walk 800 metres up the road for the training uh, that happened with the Melbourne University apprentices, and then Gordon would meet with me one on one regularly each week.
0: So a few things in there as well: meeting up with a trainer regularly, yep. having the opportunity to, to do ministry. Yep. I love how you you were part of starting something as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, which I think it's a it's a great opportunity to start things. And it sounds like you were pushed outside your comfort zone, or that was just oh, kind well of and
1: truly, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, it was great to do the work with Fiona Cheng because she was older and wiser. She was Gordon's wife, but. Uh, I was starting, I was wholly responsible for a ministry. And um, in the apprenticeship, we love people to do sort of a third of their week growing in things that they perhaps know a bit, a third of their week growing in something that they don't know very well, and a third of their week starting something. So I sort of was ticking all those boxes.
0: Yeah, maybe doing two-thirds starting something. <laughs> yeah. starting, starting, starting yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to start with the Bible. Uh, yeah. It seems like uh, 2 Timothy 2 is probably the, the sort of best Place to start when we think yeah. about what does the Bible have to say about <clears throat> apprenticeships? Yeah,
1: so I mean, I think when you look at Paul in two Timothy two two, he's it's his succession letter in a way. He's tapping the sword on the shoulder of Timothy and saying, "You're my successor," and he's reminding him it's a it's a biblical biblically mission critical um, verse of the Bible, saying entrust the gospel to reliable people who are able to teach others, mm. and so it's. Unless we multiply, the world's not going to hear the gospel. So, um, but I think when you look at the sweep of Scripture, you see that gospel workers have been recruiting gospel workers, you know, right from the time of Moses and Jethro, yep. and um, obviously Jesus does it as well. Paul does it with Timothy, and uh, yeah, that's that's enormously important in the whole sweep of the MTS movement.
0: Now, if you read through the sort of twenty twenty six, here's where MTS is going. What's really clearing in the vision the mission of mts as a as a network uh, is is that entrusting of the gospel as well
1: Yep, yeah. yeah most definitely yeah it's 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 in, it's i love ray Galea's uh, saying that there's only one lifeline god's thrown to humanity and that's the gospel of the lord jesus christ we're raising up gospel workers we're raising up word preachers that preach christ and him crucified uh, it's the, it's the only way to be saved yeah. and so yeah that's we're raising up harvest workers who raise up harvest workers and we actually call the mts we're really we really want people to do an apprenticeship but but if they're suited we want them to get theologically trained then become a pastor but not a pastor who just does edification we want them to be evangelistic yep. and not just an evangelistic and edifying pastor but someone who's a multiplier and we call we call Trainers of apprentices mm. who go on to train apprentices, those sort of MTS grandparents. We call them entrusters after 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. So we're constantly giving people a vision. The apprenticeship's just the first step toward a long-term pathway because that's unless we multiply, we're not going to reach the world with the gospel.
0: Well, that kind of pushes into my ne- well, my sort of follow-up question yeah. was how is it that you actually multiply gospel workers through apprenticeships? But it's that sort of pyramid scheme. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really. Of of seeing, of seeing, trainers being uh, apprenticed, trained, raised up, heading to uh, college, and then into full time paid gospel ministry. But also having that DNA in them. That's actually, right. Who, who right are you looking to sort of tap on the shoulder? Yep. Who are you looking to multiply and, and raise up?
1: Yeah, and and I think it's interesting. The I, I love the trellis and the vine books rediscovery of the well, not, it's so that they highlighted again something that a lot of us have forgotten, is that the biblical paradigm for ministry training is spiritual parenthood. Yep. So Jesus actually refers to the disciples as his sons or his children. Uh, Paul refers to Timothy as his son, son in the faith. And so what? So it's it's actually spiritual parenthood. And so as we grow this thing, it's mm. it's growing a spiritual family tree. And just like biological family trees grow with time, this will as well.
0: So the Commonwealth Games has just happened recently and yep. unfortunately Australian men's team <laughs> uh, it didn't pass the baton in the sort of yes. penultimate sort yes. of uh, We did not know,
1: orchestrate that. We
0: did not, yeah, it did not go well. But the image of passing the baton is something that you talk about lots. Yep. In, in fact, you know, if you are a trainee you actually get your you yes. uh, Your baton, if you train lots of people, you get a gold baton. Yeah. Um, but the idea of passing the baton on, um, obviously the reason MTS exists is because we're actually not passing the baton on well at the moment in the local church level. What are you, what are you sort of trying to solve? What is MTS trying to solve? What's the problem that, yeah, that we're, we're facing as a church in Australia? Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully, if the church was you know uh, firing on all, all cylinders everywhere, MTS would still exist because I think an apprenticeships a great way to go. Yeah. but th- the the problem we're solving is that um, just the world doesn't know the gospel. so when I talk about the vision of MTS to win the world for Christ by multiplying gospel workers through ministry apprenticeships, I keep saying to people we're not, We're not here to fill the vacant seats of denominational churches. So I think 13 out of 57 Christian reformed churches of Australia are vacant at the moment. Um, The New South Wales Presbyterians would love to have 40 ordained people in place before 2026 because they're worried that there'll be some leadership problems. Our work does help solve that problem, but it's about... Winning the loss for Christ, mm. and we need more people communicating the gospel to more people and spending more time doing it. Because for me, it took it took Reese Bazant to meet with me weekly and read a chapter of Mark's gospel. I came from a completely non-Christian mm. background. I haven't added up the hours he spent with me in that first year, but I wouldn't be surprised with the camps I went on and everything. It would be he would he might have spent a 100, 150 hours with me. And let. I'm just an average Aussie, and I was keen to find out. Yeah.
0: So um, This is before you even made the decision to sort of follow Christ. You know, yeah, Bruce, yeah, that's Reece, right. Rhys yeah. is the one who sort of explained the gospel to you. And, that's right.
1: He's and the agent God the used. spirit
0: worked inside you, opened up the light bulbs, and, uh, and you started following Jesus.
1: Yeah, I just said to him, I've looked at the other religions, Christianity is different. What's the meaning of life? And he said, I'll come over and read Mark's gospel yep. with you. And I wanted to know, but it still took... A year. So at its heart, the apprenticeship uh, yeah.
0: is, a, is about uh, learning, getting the opportunity to uh, entrust the gospel, hand the gospel over. Yeah. Um, you, well, you raise the
1: question, what's the problem we're mm. trying to... I think it's, it, it's really a quality and a quantity question. So yeah. there's heaps of people. We need more gospel workers to reach the world, yeah. but we've got to make sure they're 1 Timothy 3 kind of people. And the apprenticeship focuses on... Uh, it's that father, son, spiritual parenthood, mother, daughter, you're growing that person as a gospel worker in character, conviction and competency. It's not just a enroll, study, go. Yeah. There's more to it. So we've talked lots
0: about the apprentice the apprentice. Uh, you need a trainer. Yep. So you talked about Gordon uh, yeah. you know satelliting you for for a number of years yeah, and, yeah. and training you. Uh, and then the last last aspect that, that's really important is actually just that recruiting aspect. You talked about the the, the touching of the sword or the tap on yeah, the shoulder yeah. uh, having a culture of recruiting in church is is yeah. a vital aspect of yeah. uh, having a uh, you know a, a culture of raising up apprenticeships yeah. across across church yeah
1: we we run a thing called six steps to ministry apprenticeship, helping churches work out how do you raise up apprentices because it's not the culture of most churches and you want it as part of the vision you need a financial model, you need a recruiting calendar um, you, you need to be thinking through all those different aspects of church life. Um, a, a lay ministry training pipeline is absolutely essential, mm-hmm. but I, I guess the number one thing in that is having a champion, someone who's identified in the church that says, I'm going to be responsible for our church raising up apprentices and growing them and sending them. Out.
0: So take us back to long, long ago. Yeah. Was it Gordon who gave you the tap on the shoulder? Uh, was it you seeing there's a ministry opportunity here, there's, there's nothing happening? Uh, did you, you know, come to the, uh, your, your staff worker and say, hey, we ought to get something happening? How, how did it happen that you actually got yourself in an apprenticeship?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it was a long time ago. It was 30 <laughs> years ago and apprenticeships, Gordon had done an apprenticeship uh, in Sydney and I was in Melbourne, so yeah. he'd left and gone to work in Melbourne. We'd never seen an apprentice. So he talked about these ministry apprenticeship things while I was a student leader. Yep. And so um, there are a number of us, I think eight of us, went away for the uni break or some some were working and when we came back, eight of us at one time said, we want to do this apprenticeship thing you're talking about, Gordon and Fiona. So poor old Gordo, the first time he trained an apprentice, he had a room full of eight people. Yep. Um, So it was... It was something that was pretty new for us and I think I'm a bit of an unusual case because the minute I became a Christian I wanted to be a gospel worker and everyone had to smack me around the nose and say, finish your civil engineering, make sure you work as a civil engineer for a number of years so that you can pass to better. Yep. So I had to be sort of pulled on the reins. Um, in MTS land uh, we, we run recruiting conferences. The, we run MTS Info Nights term two, recruiting conferences term three. The runway for those, for someone to come to one of those conferences, the average time between coming to one and hitting a green button on an apprenticeship is about four years. Yep. So people need to take time to to be persuaded, think through So
0: again, it. your apprenticeship experience was unusual, yeah. went away for a weekend, you know, you had 100% success rate, <laughs> everyone put their hand up. But the reality is it's a tap on the shoulder. It's yeah, come been, to this hear this yes uh, yeah. uh, have you thought about doing this probably yeah. throwing people into a couple of you know yeah. ministry opportunities to sort of yeah. test the waters giving them responsibility uh, helping them fail yeah. helping them succeed yeah. now y-
1: they're, they're not they're not trained apprentices though are not learning to be leaders they're already leaders mm-hmm. so they're learning to be the leader of leaders they're learning to be they're an apprentice pastor. Yeah, they've some, already they've
0: already shown some. Yep. Uh, they've
1: led Bible studies. They're a gifted one-to-one ministry yep. person. They've done stuff up front at church. They know how to um, disciple youth. They run an evangelistic events. So it's the, taking the ones who have come out who have um, the desire out of that to become a gospel worker, taking them to be an apprentice.
0: Now, I've heard uh, I, I've heard around the sort of MTS network, uh, you've used the sort of phrase: "We want to see pastors spending." 10% of their time uh, recruiting, developing apprentices, recruiting and developing leaders. Uh, talk, talk about that. What, is it, what does that look like to spend 10% per week recruiting and developing leaders?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's um, some people you talk to and you say, how much time do you think you should spend on this? And so they say, oh, 100% of my time because I'm modelling everything in the way that I live and do. But um, I think if if a pastor who's running a church, makes sure that there's either they or someone else is a champion and is ensuring that the work of lay ministry training, raising up people, um, growing people in the gospel, they're being mentored, there's a recruiting calendar, term two, inf- info night, term three uh, is going to a recruiting conference, term four, a tap on the shoulder where you meet for the person, have, di- have, the, have them over for dinner and talk intentionally to them. If that kind of stuff's happening in a church, it's going to take a pastor, even if they've got a staff team, it'll take them 10% of their time yep. to make sure that that's all happening. But the fruit for the kingdom will be just absolutely enormous. Yeah.
0: Yep. And, and I, I imagine in that time as well there's actually your current apprenticeships, you're spending time actually yes. developing them, yes. uh, meeting up with them. Because I think often what you know, people think, oh, let's, let's, get, let's get an apprentice in, that'll, that'll give me a lot more time. But actually, there's yeah. a lot of time involved in actually sitting down with someone, developing them, you know, properly working with them to see them succeed in ministry.
1: That's right, and uh, and they are learning. So you know, we we often have them, and we give them real responsibility, mm-hmm. but they've got to learn to do the job. So uh, we we have to be patient as the first year comes in and learns the job and gets better and better and better. And at the end of two years, they're they're sort of competent and up and flying, and ready to go. Yeah. yeah. So it's that constant. Okay, the next batch is coming in. I mean, I, I train an apprentice, um, Emma Moxham, and we run by the phrase it takes a village to train an apprentice. So she has five trainers. Mm-hmm. So I look after competency. Yep. Um, Gary Bennett looks after conviction. Gary's wife, Deb, looks after character. My wife takes her on to um, an Anglican girls' school and gives her ministry experiences, give you testimony at the lunchtime group, and then she's doing Corn Hill, so she's being trained by Peter Ryan as the Corn Hill uh, preacher's training. So we're, we're sort of revelling in that, actually. It's it's giving She's having an amazing experience, yep. at least that's what she says, <laughs> and the and the, the loads are not quite as heavy on us because we're doing it as a team.
0: Yeah, you say, you're see, yeah. actually seeing the church work, the body yeah.
1: work. And then there's the other people in the church, mm. you know, the parish counsellors or or um, people who are in running women's bible study or keen parents who are encouraging her so it really does feel like the village training
0: and again just want to keep saying that takes time to do that well oh, it takes time to yeah help help the person think through what are their development goals but also yeah. help them think through how they're going to be doing things yeah um, yeah we use the phrase often of uh we we want to see people uh, uh be developers and not doers yeah. and so actually Assessing your week, breaking it down, having to think: where are the opportunities that I can actually intentionally develop others, yeah. and not just you know do the ministry? Who can I bring alongside me yeah. uh, in order to sort of you know show or delegate or get into this?
1: There's, okay, there's a bloke called Warwick De Jersey who uses the phrase: if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing with someone else. Yes. So he looks at his calendar, and if he's going to Speak somewhere, or is he going to visit somebody for a pastoral Who visit? Can you bring? Yeah, he just uh, arranges ahead of time. I'm not very good at that. I need to be more intentional, but I think that's just fantastic. Mm. Just bring him along. What are you hoping to achieve? Convo on the way there. Yep. Do you think on the on the way back? Do you think we achieved it? Um, yeah. it's just
0: – And it's a good opportunity to model uh, receiving feedback yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, what, can, what, what can how can you become a better leader as well? Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to get into some numbers. <laughs>
1: yep. uh, how's it all going for MTS? We're really encouraged. Like, in fact, um, so the number of, of registered apprentices with MTS has risen by 27% since pre COVID. So, what does that mean? Is that 10 people? Is that 30? It's gone people? from 150, <laughs> 150 to 191. Great. Right. So, um, so, an extra 40
0: apprentices just in the last yeah. sort of 12 months.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, as I've been asked the question, why is that happening? I put it down to a couple of things. I think. Um, MTS genuinely in in a very real way about five years ago uh, devoted themselves more resources and time and effort to prayer. And then the second thing is I think it's um, the great resignation that's happened during COVID. Like out in the world, people have gone, what really matters? Mm. I think in the church, people have gone, what really matters? Why am I heading down this track? So um, yeah, so that's encouraging. I'm really so encouraged.
0: 190 apprentices, and the hope is by 2026 to have
1: 280. 280.
0: So that's a, yeah. that's another big another big jump over the next few years, which will be great to see.
1: Yeah, it is, and it's. Um, some people might say that doesn't seem like a massive jump over that period of time, but you've got to remember it's a bit like a car park, and apprentices come in and then they go after two years. So so over that period of time to go from 190 to 280. You'll need 1,100 apprentices. Yeah, I was going to say Recruiting you need
0: over a at least. and sent out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, what was interesting, sort of reading through the uh, 2026 report, and we'll put a link in uh, the show notes to that. So, if you want to uh, have a look through that, there's some excellent uh, or great stories of what God is doing through the MTS network. What I was one of the ones I was interested in is over the last sort of since you know 1979, three and a half thousand apprenticeships have happened, and 1,250 have gone into full-time paid gospel ministry. And I was like, oh, Thirty-five percent, uh, which means there's a whole bunch of people who uh, who have gone full-time. Got you know, paid gospel industry is not for me. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch of people who have gone back into church life and uh, yeah, convicted, more competent. Yeah. Uh, and and have, you know, some gospel DNA convictions that will help them be great servants in their church. Yeah. But 35%, does. do you go, oh, I wish that was 50? Uh, why yeah. is that not 100? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, so,
1: so I think there's been times where I've sort of gone, oh, why is it, that seems really low to me, but then I talk to people who are in training industries and they they are shocked that that number's so high. Yeah. Um, also, I think what I take a lot of encouragement uh, from out of, the, out of the numbers is that 40 uh, percent four zero forty 4-0, 40% of our apprentices are women. Yep. And they'll often go into a, they'll do their apprenticeship, get some theological training, then have a family. And so they're, like my wife Emma step, stepped aside from vocational ministry for, a number for of years, 10 years. It was 10 years, yeah. Yep, and yep. So, so even though that number's 35% in there, there's enormous potential for that to grow just as time ticks away. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's... Um, that's a lot of people, isn't it, you know?
0: It is a lot of people and and in some ways it, it actually says, it actually says what, well, it proves what you're trying to do with the apprenticeship is actually give people the opportunity to yeah. test the waters, see if this is something they ought to do.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and I and I think that well, long term I think that creates greater resilience in ministry. And you know, one of the sort of church planter stats, you know, in terms of survivability, if a church planter has been a part of a church plant, yes. seen it, experienced it, they're actually going to be, better suited to seeing the church grow evangelistically and also, you know, survive and, yeah. and thrive. Yeah. That opportunity to sort of see, have right expectations about ministry yeah. life is going to be about is really important.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the, the the quality issue is really important. Like um, uh, there's a filter on the front and the back of an apprenticeship. Yeah. I am not going to train an apprentice. Um, I'm not going to sign somebody up if I think that it's going to be really, really difficult. They've got to be a certain... Um, person with particular qualifications and qualities and then there's the filter on the other end as well so as they do the apprenticeship you're assessing every six months and uh, there's a recommendation as to whether they go forward or not from there so I think it it helps the quality of gospel workers dramatically increase.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Great well we're just going to pause there and take a short break and hear from one of the churches in our network talk about their experience in this space.
2: You know, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask therefore the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers into his harvest. Well, God in his kindness and by his grace has been answering that prayer point here at MBM over many years, right before our very own eyes. Folk who come on board as ministry apprentices to get two years worth of hands-on ministry experience is such a delight. Nearly half of our staff, many of our missionaries not to mention those who are working in other churches, have done a ministry apprenticeship with us in the past. Let's hear from some of them now.
3: I had the particular privilege of helping to plant a church into a heavy metal subculture with another ministry trainee. And I'll never forget walking into one of the first Bible study groups with a bunch of guys sitting around in a circle and they were giving each other tattoos with a tattoo gun. And I walked in and they said to me, hey Dave, do you want one? And they were so disappointed when I said to them, I'm sorry guys. But as I saw these guys change and grow and some of them come to Christ, it taught me that the gospel is powerful and that God can change people from all kinds of walks of life. So what ministry training did for me is it gave me confidence in the gospel, but also confidence in the ways in which God could use me. So I came into ministry after college Just being more confident to lead people, to speak the truth in love, to teach and preach God's Word, but also uh, to to take risks and to do things like plant churches.
4: That opportunity to learn and experience what it is to keep the Word of God front and center of all the ministry that we do, that was so valuable. Time with mentors, one-on-one, over great food in the ministry team context there uh just wonderful memories uh my you know first sermons first time leading evangelistic uh, courses with a group of people and ultimately getting the green light to move on and do more full-time ministry i guess that was what mts was all about for, for me and for my wife i just remember so many mistakes though i remember saying to a couple that were unchurched that being a christian it's not about going to church or saying your prayers it's about the gospel it's about jesus and they just said oh that's such a relief and i was like oh wow great they said yeah because we didn't want to go to church anyway uh, <laughs> i just didn't have you know at that time I, like how do i wind that back i made so many mistakes but god uh god used me in those days and here we are all these years later god is still using me my family to proclaim the great news of the Lord Jesus. And yeah, MTS was a very supportive environment to take those first steps
5: in full-time ministry. In my ministry apprenticeship, it was really good for me to learn to minister to and minister alongside people from a different ethnocultural background from myself. I'm Sri Lankan but I had to learn to deal with and interact with people from a Greek background, Italian background, Maltese, Mediterranean background, people from China. And that was really good for me because people see the world differently one person in particular i can think of i had a big fight with him in the middle of bible study it was really embarrassing but my trainer he helped me to work through that to apologize to the person and eventually that person who i offended became one of my chief supporters and really enjoyed my ministry and benefited from it he even wrote a really glowing recommendation for me when i applied to theological college One of the areas in my ministry apprenticeship that I could play to my strengths was in small group Bible studies, growth groups as we call them. Now, I'm really bookish. I'm a nerd. It was really good fun and I could see people benefiting as I helped them to understand the biblical Jesus. I really enjoyed that aspect of my ministry apprenticeship. I could watch people blossom and come to love Jesus more. There's nothing like it.
6: Doing the apprenticeship at MBM afforded me some opportunities within the local high schools and thinking about the program and what we were taking into the schools to support and encourage the believers already there that they might go out amongst their school and share Jesus, but also being there as a support for those students and sharing Jesus with them too was of great benefit in shaping ministry into the future for me. A key highlight in my apprenticeship was having the opportunity to meet up with some of the young girls. It was an initiative that they actually came and asked me about. They were keen to get together. It was a marvellous opportunity to share in some afternoon tea after school and read God's word together and speak into their lives. Other highlights come out of some of the challenges. Ministry is hard work but when you are supported so well by other staff and ministry and pastoral friends, and also in partnership with other believers in prayer and financially, God just shouts his goodness at you. He was in it all. And the highlight was the partnership of gospel ministry with brothers and sisters in Christ.
2: At its core, ministry apprenticeships are just one key strategic way that the good news of Jesus gets to go global. So by partnering and investing in our ministry apprentices, both past and present, you're enabling the good news of Jesus to go to all four corners of the globe. And God willing, we will see more apprentices raised up until Jesus returns. At Reach Australia, we want to
0: see uh, Australian Christianity double in size over the next uh, 15 years. At the moment, what does that look like in terms of reformed evangelical churches? Uh, There's 150,000 people we think sort of in reformed evangelical churches across Australia. So we wanna see it go from 150 to 300,000 in the next 15 years. What that means is we're gonna need a whole bunch of uh, ministry workers as well to be working alongside those members to see gospel ministry happen, to see the gospel uh, taken out to Australia and the world. What's the sort of what's your sense of the trend data on people actually moving from, you know, full time paid work into full time gospel ministry?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think the temperature is rising. It's it's often hard to work it out, especially after COVID. But I mentioned apprenticeships are up 27 percent. The number of trainers is up 43 percent. The number of training centres has gone from 60 to 118. Where, so it feels like the tide is rising and <clears throat> the number of people who have done apprenticeships and are keen with the recruiting DNA that are exiting college is is, is a number that is creating a pool that is gifted and able, and, and I think it's rising. So I'm really excited about it. Anecdotally, the interest that we're receiving from around the country and, and around the world, and things like our Six Steps to Ministry Apprenticeship, our Zoom casts, and the number of people coming to our conferences, we're, we're feeling like things are on the increase. So.
0: so what do you think, yeah, what do you think sort of behind this? You know, why, why are you seeing this sort of increase? You've already talked about the, um, you know, the impact of COVID and people sort of wanting that tree change or actually asking the question, there's there's more to life. I don't yeah. just want to keep working yeah, my day job. Yeah, that's
1: certainly a huge part of it. And I'm... Um, You know, I'm not being uh, pious or anything, but I'm just sort of thinking to myself, Ephesians 3.20, that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I think our world out there is thinking to themselves, you know, we all live in the imminent frame. They try and create this picture that you can have a meaningful, wholesome life if you think about just this earth and this life and there is no transcendent. People are realising that's an absolute load of twaddle. And so I I think generally society is realising there's got to be more to this than than public vitriol on social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and, and um, yeah, I, I'm excited by what, what's going on with people realising what really matters in eternity, and it's the glory of Jesus and the cross.
0: So what do you think actually holds people back from making the <coughs> decision to go into full-time gospel ministry?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, um, I mentioned before that the runway between going to a recruiting conference and hitting the green button is four years. Yep. In, in some migrant cultures uh, where families move from another country and they've invested in the children living here, it's six years. Yep. I mean, we, we sort of talk about the four Ps, that people in Australia are basically chasing a position in the company, a big pay packet, postcode and peer approval, sometimes parental approval. Yeah. Um, that that those things are holding people back. Um, Yeah, and so so I think it's in some ways it's that great Australian dream, as it were. Um, I recently read a MacRindle survey commissioned by the Financial Planning Association of Australia and, you know, what does living the dream mean? And it's your classic safety and security, you know, financial security, all that sort of stuff. So...
0: So they're the sort of wider sort of societal things that are going on. We're chasing chasing the four Ps. Yeah. Uh, what about what about churches actually being intentional? So okay. you've you've mentioned your, uh, the six six steps yeah. six steps to recruiting. Uh, this is something that this is a night that you regularly do uh, with churches all across the country. And if you're a church out there who's who's sort of thinking how do I get started on this, uh, it's really good to give MTS a call and say you know come and help us think through that. Uh, you've talked about the most important thing being that you actually have a champion. A you champion. have someone who he says, you know, puts it on the agenda in the church, is tapping people on the shoulder, is intentionally helping the church think about yeah, this. Yeah.
1: And I think something as simple as a, a lay ministry training pipeline where there's time and effort and resources devoted to mobilising the, the troops in the congregation, like that just does enormous, that makes a huge difference. But so few churches have it. Mm,
0: and, and as you say, it's, it's a pretty simple recruitment calendar. Yeah. Uh it's, yeah. it's, it's come along to a, a night in term two where you start to think about it, come along to a regional recruiting conference. It could be yeah. online. It, yeah. it could be at a larger church in your local area. It could be actually yeah. in a face-to-face conference. And, and often at those conferences, you're not only hearing God's word, you're seeing uh, apprenticeship stories, you're getting challenged. But I think the most vital part of that thing is actually that interview you have where yeah. someone actually sits alongside you. I can remember doing that. Years yeah. ago, at a Club yeah. Five conference, uh, yeah. we had a conversation, that mentoring with a, conversation. Yeah, the, the mentoring yeah. conversation. Yeah. Uh, so you need to have that calendar, and then the dinner you talked about in, in sort of fourth term, where yeah. they've had all these things, they've been investing in over sort of three or four years, and you're actually then saying, look, we, yeah. we think you where's your thinking? Is, yeah,
1: yeah. And and that and that tap on the shoulder or that that dinner in term four isn't the year before they do it. It's Every year over that four to yeah. six years to just say, "Hey, how are you placed at the moment?" Yep. There's no pressure or co- 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 coercion or per, you know inappropriate persuasion. It's the sort of the one Timothy three: whoever desires to be an overseer, mm. they've got to have
0: the desire. If they don't, then... so it's 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 uh, motivating, firing up that desire, so yeah. spurring them on. Yeah, yeah you talk <clears> as well in those six steps about the church having a vision. Yes. Uh, now, what, is it, what does that look like? You know, is it a, yeah. is it a pithy one-liner? We want to be about yeah. multiplying gospel workers yeah. for the evangelization of the world?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I ran into it. <laughs> <laughs> is, that well,
0: what, is that what it looks well, it, like? it's got to be and part I just need of to it. say that every couple of weeks in church?
1: Well, it's it's raising up harvest workers has got to be in the strategic plan or the vision of the church. So I was at a congregation, a uni church down in Melbourne recently, and yeah. they said one of their four core values was raising up harvest workers. Um there's a church uh, about um, 100K north of Sydney where when they planted the church, they said, we want to train one apprentice for every 100 adults or part thereof. So they started with an apprentice and as soon as they get over 100 and they're at 120, they got their second So there's a, real,
0: there's a measurable goal, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's yeah. an intentionality, and they put it on the agenda from, from day one.
1: That's right, yeah. And, so and everyone can go, okay, it's in the document and it's a SMART goal so that everyone, from the pastor through to a visitor, can go, "Hey, is this actually? Are we meeting the goal here?" So
0: reporting on it, reporting on that in your AGM, uh, yep. talking about it regularly, hearing from apprentices is is yeah. an important way to sort of let that vision uh, yeah. leak out
2: regularly. And
1: I, I'd encourage denominations, like people who are part of denominational committees, like if if your AGM or synod or general mm-hmm. assembly is not reporting on the number of Ministry apprentices per annum. Then there's a lost opportunity to raise that, to be uh, part of the psyche of that organisation. The, the church. Mm.
0: Now, what about finances? How important is that? I know there are some churches out there that might say, "Oh, it's just too costly," uh, and it's a huge cost to bear as well. You know, it's going to take them a whole 12 months before they're useful for, you know, getting stuff done in the church.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we've got to have the mindset of growing a leader for the future. Um, and with regard to finances, wh- one of the things um, y- you need to take the apprentice's situation into account. Like I'm about to pr- train an apprentice next year who became a Christian in their mid-20s and have no no Christian family mm. so and have had very little beach missions or... Leaders, training So their, net, their yeah. network
0: of uh, Christians to support them in ministry yeah. is going to be a lot tougher. Yeah.
1: Nevertheless, we're saying to him, you're going to be the pastor of a church in the future. You're going to be a 100% fundraiser in the future. You better learn how to mm. raise support yourself. Mm-hmm. So so MTS has truckloads of resources. They're all free online for people to, to learn how to do support raising. Um, but I'd encourage people who are worried about the money is to... Um, what, what, the way we remunerate apprentices is they get remunerated enough to cover their living expenses. We, we set it so they don't eat into their savings, but they're probably not going to walk away from the two years with increased savings. And there are three, we jokingly in MTS World talk about three ways to live. There's three financial models. One of them's tax deductible, so that makes support raising. So, there's
0: a, so basically what you're saying is money shouldn't be a reason for someone not to do an apprenticeship.
1: Yeah, and especially in Australia. Australia, I think that we have the largest amount of personal wealth that's about to pass from the baby boomers to Gen X that has ever existed in the history of humanity. Mm. So when people say we're a, we're a poor country or money's tight, I sort of think we actually need to pitch a gospel vision because people have resources. They just don't want to give it to nothing. They want to give it to a vision.
0: Now the fourth step or the fourth uh, important thing you talk about in sort of encouraging <coughs> apprenticeships is actually having a whole bunch of uh, leadership across church life. So you talk about having a leadership pipeline in church. Mm, yeah. So so often I think people think if, if I'm pushing for an apprentice, I, I'm thinking about this end person down here, yeah. uh, but there's a whole bunch of people, you know, below the surface yeah. that also need to be raising up training, you know, seeing move into ministry yeah. opportunities all through church life. Uh, I need to be working on that in order to get, the two or three or four people who give themselves up for this full time?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it sometimes sounds far more complicated. So like I run Park Training, the lay ministry training at my church, Park Road Anglican Church. It happens two terms a year, term two, term four. It goes for seven weeks. And we basically get together for 10 minutes for tea and coffee in the small hall. There's 45 of us. We have a 20-minute hot topic you know, is is gender a social construct, or whatever's hot, mm-hmm. you know? And we talk about that and have an all-in discussion, and then we go off for one hour to our different training courses. So if it's Sam Chan's book, How to Talk About Jesus without that without being that guy, or Two Ways to Live, or it's Growth Groups, people head off, and so um, we find that this opportunity, like I think we've had, averaging between 42 and 45. Adults come to this out of a congregation of 130 adults. Keen people are looking for an opportunity mm. to get together with the other keen beans. That's had a huge impact on us. So, um, so we're not, you know, we're not saying, you know, create a PhD course and deliver <laughs> it. It's, it's just lay ministry. And and the people we get to teach the courses in the church are people who live the courses. So my daughter Isabella, who's 21, she leads the Sam Jan course because by God's grace she lives it. So,
0: so it's but it's but about potentially having a strategy for yeah. developing leadership across uh, all yeah. layers of the church. Now, the one final, the final aspect of the, the six steps is actually a tap on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, with someone sort of making a decision for Christ, you actually need to challenge yeah. them to repent and believe. Yeah. If you want to see people move into ministry, you actually do need to have that hard conversation with someone and yeah. say, "Hey, yeah. we we think you ought to uh, think about this, yeah. or do more than think about this. We we think." you're suited to doing an apprenticeship next year. Yeah.
1: And and I generally structure those conversations around the GROW acronym, G-R-O-O-W, and just say to them, you know, what are your goals? Even if we've had this conversation four years in a row, what are your goals now? What are the realities of what you're doing? And I'll usually know. Opportunities, obstacles, there might be opportunities that have sprung up that weren't there 12 months ago, or obstacles, or... And then, you know, what's a really concrete next step? So I'm just constantly in combos having the GROW acronym in my head.
0: Well, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking to yourself, uh, I want to do an apprenticeship, uh, or if you're thinking I'd actually like to become a training centre and a church that actually raises up apprenticeships, or if you're looking to actually improve the way you do things, so you're listening in and you're thinking we're, we're doing things okay, but actually we'd like to be doing this far better and seeing more happen. Well, I've just got a little clip from Ray Galea at uh, the 2021 MTS Recruit Conference, uh, which I think clearly lays before us the need for apprenticeships. Uh, so let's hear from Ray Galea.
7: Now, I'm a baby boomer. My generation loves to bag out millennials. And I don't know why, because we baby boomers are hopeless. The, the most famous thing we're known for is that we spend our kids' inheritance so I can't see us having any kind of real great, you know, thing to stand up on. But you guys, you millennials, you're motivated by causes. I mean, it seems to me you you got one up on us. Uh, The only thing we think about is ourselves. You know, you're actually driven, so we've been told, by something bigger than yourselves. But I guess the challenge for your generation is that which cause are you gonna pursue? Because of all the causes that capture your heart, and there are so many, whether it's sex slavery or sexism, whether it's the environment or whether it's racism, the cause of Christ has got to take priority. You know, it was John Piper who said, we're committed to relieving suffering in this world, but even more so in the world to come, because he knew of the reality of hell. And that's where the emphasis has got to lean on. You know, it's often been said that the enemy of the best is the good. Well, you know why it's often said, because it's often true. There's an endless list of competing causes that are before you. Many have their place. But the cause of Christ is in a class of its own. And I think we just don't get it. or It's kind of not clear enough for us. And I think partly it's because we don't understand the significance of the gospel and its implications. The gospel, the good news, the good news. You know why it's good news? Because it is the only lifeline that is thrown out to humanity, the only one.
0: Well, that was great to hear from Ray Galea. Uh, He really pushed us towards thinking about how we can get more people into gospel ministry across Australia. I just want to introduce you to uh, Russell Schmidt. Uh, Russell is the uh, Director of Training at MTS. Russ, welcome to the podcast.
8: Yeah, thanks for having us here, Scott.
0: Now, uh, it's good to have both you guys here. You get a chance to go all across Australia and see churches uh, and their apprenticeships. I'd love to hear from both of you, uh, what what churches are doing it well? Can you give us a church that's doing it well?
8: Yeah, a church that might not look so well from the outside because of churning out lots of numbers, but a church that's got an intentional uh, training pipeline, uh, Albury Presbyterian Church. Um, they're just consistently turning out Churning out one or two apprentices every one or two years, and uh, no two apprentices look look the same. Uh, They're seeing congregation members who are who are being trained in gospel ministry right where they are, and um, whoever they might be, uh, then designing a training program for them to do an apprenticeship to take them to the next step in serving Jesus. Albury Prezi.
0: So Albury's a, a regional centre mm. on the border between New South Wales and Victoria. It, some would say it's a pretty large regional centre as well. You know, ben, ben grew up there, so Ben will say, oh, it's a pretty small town or it's a big town. Uh, what What have they been doing intentionally to see more apprenticeships that you've seen? What's one thing that you've seen them do?
8: Yeah, well, let me give you two things. Okay, two. Uh, okay. That, that Ben's been talking about <laughs> uh, intentional training uh, across the whole congregations and intentional conversations.
0: Great. Ben, what have you seen? What's a church that you've seen around the place doing things well?
1: I think Hunter Bible Church, which is in the city of Newcastle, it's about 150k north of Sydney. They, um, when Greg Lee went there in the year 2000, I think there were about 30 people at the church. There's about a thousand now, but they've trained 67 apprentices in the first 20 years that he was there, and just Greg's just kept it part of the vision and the mission right from the start. And so they just plotted and done done the hard, you know, keep the keep the keep the key thing, the key thing, you
0: know. Great, well, um, Russ, I want you to finish by, what what would you say to a potential trainer out there or a church that is thinking, uh, I wanna be a trainer? What would you say to them? Mm.
8: Uh, Be training now uh, by having intentional training pipelines for the whole of the congregation uh, and then intentional one-on-one conversations with particular people who might be suitable in taking that next step towards an apprenticeship.
0: So build your leadership pipeline, have the tap on the shoulder. Mm. Ben, what would you say to uh, a person who's thinking, I'd like to do an apprenticeship, but I just don't know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's, um, I'd say to them, uh, take the punt, prayerfully just hit the green button because um, there's so many benefits that can be gained for it. If they don't end up going on after that, they'll be trained like an SAS soldier. They'll be great for the church long term, but they might actually be surprised at what gifts they have. Like your average Aussie, I think, um, uh, has perfection infection. They think, unless I'm perfect at doing something, then I shouldn't try it. But it doesn't work like that in ministry.
0: Well, it's been great uh, hearing from both of you about apprenticeships. I'm looking forward to episode two and three. We're pushing into church apprenticeships on this season of the podcast, can I encourage you to think about bringing your team along to the Reach Australia National Conference next year?
1: We M- do that. We love it. We M- bring the whole team along. It's M- fantastic.
0: MTS regularly come along and uh, encourage churches across the MTS network to come along. Yep. Uh, it's three or four days where you actually get an opportunity to start thinking into your church ecosystem. Uh, what, do you, what do you encourage apprentices and, and churches to get along to the conference? Yeah, we
1: want, we want them to understand this DNA, this mindset, and, and to be in relationship with people who are going to encourage them to do the same like. It's fantastic.
0: Well, next year's conference is called Better Together. We're going to be pushing into the theme of uh, in in community. How, how, how do we actually encourage uh, deep community in our churches? Community that actually helps us love one another, uh, but also grow in our knowledge and our love of Jesus as well. Uh, May 8 to 11 on the Central Coast at EV Church 2023. Get along to the Reach Australia National Conference. Uh, I just want to make reference to the show notes. There'll be a link in there to the MTS website, mts.com.au. Also a link to the 2026 report that I spoke about as well. Lots of great stories where you can hear what MTS is doing to encourage apprenticeships all across Australia. And then finally, uh, a link to that PowerPoint that Ben mentioned. Uh, I'd encourage you to reach out to Russ or Ben and ask them to come and run that in your church to actually start helping you think through how can you get an apprenticeship pipeline happening in your local church. I'm Scott Sanders, uh, looking forward to episode two of this series on apprenticeships. Chat soon.